What's up, everybody? Matt Gajewski here, back again with the Odd Shopper channel. Today, we're talking some college basketball ahead of Wednesday, February the 21st. Before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notification bell so you know when this and all other content goes live. We're also brought to you by BetMGM, and there is a limited time offer for those of you in legal states with the exception of New York, Puerto Rico, and Nevada. What you'll do is click the link in the video description below. Make your first deposit of at least $5. Turn that around, $5 wager on any team, total, market, whatever you would like. You will be paid out $150 in the form of bonus bets just by placing that wager, and it's whether it wins or loses. You must be 21 or older to play in most states. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. Busy day, so we will get into this quickly. Shorter video, likely, but we'll add some extra games at the end. Before we do so, turning back to yesterday, tough day, weird day, a lot of upsets in college basketball, and that was reflected in some of the win-loss as far as the predictions go. Kind of neutralized a really good Monday and weekend, but to dive into some of those games, starting with the positives, West Virginia did find a win over UCF. It was nice to see them put it together. BYU got Baylor on that really tough road trip after they were in Morgantown. They headed out to Provo, tough spot for them. Ohio beats Kent State, and then Ball State beats Northern Illinois, but a couple tough spots. Syracuse, NC State, a game that played to 142 the first time these teams matched up. Two teams that shoot really bad just on the year. They end up shooting the lights out, so that one goes over 151. Then we had Arkansas, Texas a and two of the least efficient shooting teams. I mean, just kind of rinse and repeat that same analysis. They were over that total, 146 and a half. And that's one with a lot of closing line value, which, again, closing line value never feeds your family. So just because you get that doesn't mean you're guaranteed anything. VCU had one of the worst showings I've ever seen with Matt Cross for UMass Limited. I mean, my goodness, if you get a chance, watch the highlights or – I don't even know what the antithesis of highlights would be, but that's what VCU put on the court. Akron, Miami, Ohio, they did not get it done. Butler, that game was within the spread, basically the entire game till the very end against Nova. And then I added UConn late. They got ran out of the gym by Creighton. A lot of really weird fall stuff in that game. UConn running into opponents and then, I don't know, I'm not one to complain about fouls because for as many times as that works, Against you, it also will work for you. But that was an interesting game the way it was called. Let's move forward to today. Five games up, five games down, and then we'll go through a rapid-fire section at the end. When I do rapid-fire, it's not because I don't think those games are any less important or valuable. I just don't have time to do them all. So there was a question about that in the past. That's why sometimes you get a rapid-fire section. Sometimes you don't. All right, ACC matchup, Duke versus Miami. Duke minus five and a half. They're the road team. There's a lot of injuries in this game. Tyrese Proctor for Duke is in concussion protocol. He sustained that a week ago, so there's a chance he plays here. Miami is also banged up. You have Nigel Pack out of this game, not playing no matter what. And Matt Cleveland is dealing with an illness. He's expected to go, but he didn't practice on Monday. They got him back into practice yesterday. And I don't know what limitations he might have. Is he going to play his full 35 minutes? Who knows? It is an illness, so this is something that could be a little fluid for this team. But you now have not just one player out, but another limited for Miami, which is kind of a disaster season for them. They're on a huge losing streak right now. They're a team that doesn't have any depth. They're a team that matches up poorly against Duke, which we'll get to. 
but you look at just this team's recent losing streak. Five of the last six games they've lost, their only win in that span came against Virginia Tech. And some of it hasn't been pretty. They got blown out. They scored 38 points against Virginia. It was a tight loss against North Carolina. No shame there. They were blown out against Clemson. And then they had an eight-point loss to, to put it kindly, a middling Boston College team. So, no, the sledding has not been good for Miami of late. Some injuries have certainly impacted that. But moving forward to this game, Miami's a team that plays with no height. They're using Matt Cleveland, excuse me, they're using Norchad O'Meara at the five largely. They're 239th in effective height. They'll be facing one of the tallest lineups in college basketball with Duke on the other side, Filipkowski and Mitchell. All that results in Duke ranking 10th in effective height. For what it's worth, Miami's still been pretty solid rebounding. They're 90th in that category, but Duke does have a solid edge there, 41st. Interior scoring is going to be a huge problem for this Miami team against Duke's defense. And the last thing, if Norchad gets in foul trouble, like this Miami team is just straight up cooked. And the last thing I guess I'll say in this game before we move on, some of these losses have occurred at home for Miami. They have home losses against North Carolina, but they also lost to Florida, Florida State on their home court. They lost to Louisville on their home court. Just because Miami's at home doesn't mean this is necessarily the matchup where we're fading Duke. And, you know, Duke's been pretty good away from their building. They beat Florida State. They beat Virginia Tech. They beat Louisville, which is what it is. But wins against Pittsburgh, Notre Dame. Like, this team has been solid away from home. Their only loss this year away from their own building came against North Carolina, who's obviously a top 10 team in the country. So no shame there. We'll take Duke minus the five and a half as the team with a stronger roster at this point in the season. All right, next up, we head to the Big Ten. Nebraska takes on Indiana. Tough spot here for Indiana, a team that's dealt with a lot of injuries themselves, kind of in flux. Xavier Johnson might return for this team, might not. I honestly don't think this matters. He's had a bad year, and his replacement, Gabe Cups, is getting benched now too. Nebraska just holds edges in really every single efficiency metric. It's not close. The one thing you can say with Nebraska is they haven't played well on the road. I would encourage you to dive into their box, their road games. You're going to see not just close games, but some of these coming down to overtime. Like they played overtime against Illinois, lost by three. They played overtime against Rutgers, an incredibly difficult place to play, lost by five. These are some really tough games and tough places to play, and they're keeping it really close, not to mention they've dealt with injuries in this span. Juwan Gary missed a stretch of time for this team. He's back now, and he's playing 30 minutes, 29, 30 minutes, whatever it is. And at full strength, this team is awesome across the board. Offense and defense, they're top 45. Indiana's outside the top 90 in both of those. Nebraska has a rebounding edge. It's 149 to 200. Effective height does work Indiana's way, but this team does struggle with fouls. 223. Malik Rennell has been the latest victim of that. He's fouled out in 23 and 24 minutes the last two games. And for all that strength inside, Nebraska's defense is kind of built to force you to shoot over the top. This Nebraska team is 18th in interior defense. They're 119th against the three. Their guards leave a little bit to be desired, but Indiana cannot score from three. It's inside or it's nothing for this team. And they're not even trying to score outside, which is interesting. They're 348th in three-point rate. That's adjusted for tempo. They're 217th in three-point percentage. So you just don't have anything from three when you look at this Indiana team. And I mean, it makes sense. You've got Renault and Baco. They're built through their front court, but that's just a terrible stylistic matchup against Nebraska. 
And for everything Nebraska does well on the inside, you know, Rick Mass, Juwan Gary are awesome players there. They can shoot the ball. They do have some guards that I think you're a little bit scared of. Wiltshire shooting 43% from three. Tomanaga, he's at 38%. You have Bryce Williams at 39%. Even Rick Mass is at 36% himself, which is pretty decent. So you do have bodies and you have multiple players that can victimize you from three. So I wouldn't be just worried about this Nebraska team in the interior matchup. They have multiple ways to win. Pick'em is the line. I think that's completely fine. We're going to get a little greasy quicker on here. Again, shorter slate today. We're heading to Conference USA. It's Middle Tennessee State taking on Jacksonville State. This one, I think you should shop it. You're going to find five and a halfs out there, but I think this is going to move in Jacksonville State's direction quickly. We have tools at Odd Shopper that'll help you do this. You can sort by state, by book, whatever it is you choose. We have tools to help you find plus EV betting spots. They use a market-based approach. We have our Discord now included. This is all one package. It's $14.95 for a week, $49.95 for a month. I don't think you regret it. I use this every single day. It's an incredible resource for those of you that are serious about betting, not just college, but all sports. So take advantage of that. To this game, Jacksonville State minus five and a half. It's kind of an ugly game. Neither team has been awesome this year. I do think Jacksonville State has the higher end talent. That's evidenced by their efficiency metrics. Just across the board, 258 to 321 on offense, 118 to 172 on defense. Rebounding is a stark disadvantage for Middle Tennessee State, 34 to 214, which is interesting because Middle Tennessee State actually does have some height, effective height-wise but they're not really capable of using it and it doesn't show up anywhere on the court on the interior. They're two ninety first in scoring just horrifyingly bad. They take a ton of threes, So they're not even playing through their size. They're 67th in three point rate, but only three twenty eighth in three point percentage. This Jacksonville state team actually does have some decent talent. I mean, you can look, they have like Kai Kai Tandy's power five transfer. And they have seven players in the top 40 of this conference. EvanMia.com is where you can reference that. Middle Tennessee State only has one top 40 player. And unfortunately for them, they lost Cam Weston at two games into the year. So that's that's tough. He's one of their best players. But everything aside from the stats you see on the screen, effective field goal, Middle Tennessee's 321, Jacksonville State 267. The only kink in the armor, I guess, for this Jacksonville State team is you did have Middle Tennessee State win this game previously, 75-67. That was at home. But I went and looked through the box score pretty deep to Middle Tennessee State. Shot way over expectation compared to their season-long numbers in Jacksonville State. They were way below that. You get that in college basketball sometimes. Got it in a couple games last night. You just got to live with it. Most of the time, Jacksonville State wins that game and covers the spread. But there will be times where they do not. But we'll back them here, and we'll take the five and a half. Next up, we have... Western Carolina taking on UNC Greensboro. Interesting game, like a road team. I think the line is just incorrect. This is the the SOCON, Western Carolina. They have a lot of efficiency metrics that at least match up with Greensboro. You're going to see this close. Western Carolina's main advantage here is coming on defense. They're 125th, Greensboro 162. Offense is close. Western Carolina, 131. Greensboro, 117. So they only trail slightly. But there are some things that do favor this Greensboro team. They're going to have an edge in rebounding. I somewhat question this. It's 204 to 61. Western Carolina actually has the height advantage. And the reason I think you just don't see them coming in 
a little bit better. I, I guess the rebounding numbers, excuse me, I think I said that backwards. Western Carolina actually does have a pretty stark edge there, 61 to 204. Not sure what I said, but I think I just mixed those numbers up. Anyway, that does match the effective height. It's 166 to 210. And I like that it's not just like offensive glass numbers. Western Carolina, 32nd in defensive rebounding. That's solid. They're a team that never turns the ball over. They're 25th in turnovers committed. They also have a better foul margin against Greensboro. So, yeah, there's there is an effective field goal difference, 168 to 82 in favor of Greensboro. They are a better shooting team. But a lot of that just comes from three. Western Carolina is 49th in three-point percentage. Greensboro's 14th. So there's a gap here, but it's not stark. And then neither team really scores inside that much. All this to say, I think there's advantages both ways. Western Carolina actually has a number of advantages, including defense and rebounding and height. So five points is quite a bit. Again, shop this. I, I imagine this is going to move pretty significantly in favor of Western Carolina. Try to lock this in as quickly as you can. Last one we'll break down in depth. We're heading to the, I believe this is the Missouri Valley Conference. Northern Iowa takes on Illinois State. Fun game here. Another one I think is going to move. We're looking at Northern Iowa for a number of reasons. They're a dog right now, plus one. This should move through zero by the end of the day. And I think largely just because of injury, Illinois State's Darius Burford, Buford, I'm sorry, Darius, not sure how to say your name. Can't say I've watched a lot of the Redbirds, but he's out. He hasn't played recently. And this team already had no players in the top 40, which was the main concern. Northern Iowa has three players in the top 40. It's actually a pretty strong roster for this team. Titan Anderson, 17th in this conference. Nate Hesse is 31st. And Bowen Bjorn, who's missed a couple games here, is 36th. So you have some pretty solid talent advantages, Northern Iowa's direction. Again, you're missing a player for Illinois State. And then all the efficiency metrics just don't really line up with this spread. You should have Northern, Northern Iowa favored. Pretty big gaps, too. Northern Iowa, 111th in effective field goal. Illinois State, 296. Height, Northern Iowa, 231. Illinois State, 294. Rebounding, for whatever reason, Illinois State has an edge there without the height, which is curious to me. But three-point shooting, 118 to 347. Most defensive metrics also favored Northern Iowa. They're 119th overall. Illinois State, 163. I don't know what else to say on this. Like It just doesn't make a lot of sense when you look at the efficiency metrics in this game. And then take a look at the injuries. The only other thing I guess to really mention here is you you did see this game played out once before, I believe. I'm trying to reference that right now. Maybe we haven't seen these two teams play. Excuse me there. I can tell I'm working on a little bit less time. But yeah, I think the wrong team is favored in this spot, not just efficiency-wise, but with the injuries as well. So that, that'll do it for us today. Keep it quick, and we'll roll through the other games I took quickly that don't have time to break down in full. Taking Illinois against Penn State, Kanye Clary's off the team. I believe it's academics for Penn State. Seven and a half was the number. Colorado State, New Mexico have an under 156. It's basically just a pacing thing. And... From there, LaSalle against St. Bonaventure, seven points is the number you need. I wouldn't go anything below that. St. Bonaventure is a better team, but LaSalle just getting too many points. Dayton against George Mason, minus two. Some injury stuff in that game. I'm going to take Richmond against Rhode Island. Richmond's kind of struggled of late after they were an early wagon contender. 
this year, but this one, maybe you can wait on. I think four is probably going to pop for Richmond at some point. Rhode Island's taking a little bit of money. Bradley against Missouri state minus two and a half. UNC Asheville against Longwood is a pick. I'm also interested in the 147 under in that contest, but thank you guys for watching. Leave a comment. If you have one, reach out on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajewski. If you have a question, otherwise we'll be back tomorrow, hopefully with more time to get through more games and more preparations. But until then, good luck. We'll see you guys next time.